chance of Bruce got one at this end earlier. He's got another. He's a superb finisher. Sean Burgoyne's in the goal school and he's able to get there quite. He's pretty clever. He's got options and got a couple and just did what he does better than anyone else. The Silk's got three and there's a bit of joy for you. Walks surging forward again, Bruce. He's got Wingard out the back. Wingard, clever player, twists, turns, sums it up and Wingard hits another. The Hawks team for the Lions are what was an historic day for the AFL. In an enjoyable 28-point win, the Chad was at his dazzling best. Mitchell made a successful return to the side, and there was plenty to like about our new recruits. But clearly, there's so much more to discuss this week, so we're just going to get on with it. Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, it might be a while before we get to do this again. So, to kick things off, let's just celebrate what was a great Hawthorne win on the weekend. Great fun. Much relief. Uh, the Hodge curse is over. Um, what else? Wingard arrived, Burgoyne forward. Everything's terrific about this club at the moment, apart from the fact we can't compete. Yeah, that's a bit of a downer, isn't it? That's in the minus column for this year. Yeah, well, we look good, don't we? I mean, the McAvoy behind the ball, no troubles there. Uh, we stifled them, basically. Hawthorne, 14-690, defeated Brisbane, 9-8-62. In, um, it was a pretty enjoyable win. I, I thought there was just... You know, in terms of the highlights that you wanted to see from a rejuvenated Hawthorne outfit, they were all there, weren't they? I mean, you had Mitchell running around doing Mitchell things and, you know, Patton, whilst he he wasn't on fire in terms of his um, goal output, he was a presence, wasn't he? They were very worried about Patton. Was it that or do you think we were just concerned with making sure Andrews was negated in his role because he looked very good in the, in that first quarter? And then we just sort of worked him over during the game and he got less and less influence over the contest. I thought they knew that and that was the plan. I didn't think Fagan could find a way to adjust to give Andrews the space that he required. Yeah, they saw his influence and they wanted to stifle it, absolutely. Um, and I think the uh, the forward cohort did really well to do that. Um, it was just really well scouted as the game went on, I think. Well, I mean, when your small forwards kick three each... That's pretty damn good. Well, considering where we came from, that dreaded Marsh series game against Melbourne, and we just could not manage any sort of scoring potency. Yeah, I told you not to worry, didn't I? Remember that? I was just like, ah, oh, no, we'll be fine. It's Melbourne. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you did tell me not to worry. I should have heeded what you'd said, because uh, no forward line troubles this time around, because, I mean, we had, as you say, three different players... Uh, Wingard, Bruce and Burgoyne hitting the scoreboard three each. Yes, well, it was a little bit similar in that we started um, below par. I thought Brisbane wasted a lot of opportunities early at the G and seemed to be kicking terribly in front of goal, but um, we were generally better across the park and our disposal efficiency was better than Brisbane. Just the link play that we had going across the ground looked much better. Our wings particularly looked good, even though McCluggage is a player that I would oh, I'd love to have at Hawthorne. If indeed Ricky Henderson has played his last game as he as he mentioned, um just to uh, Sicily, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty for him and Burgoyne and other players that are on a one year contract. Um there's some he's a He's a real highlight, that McCluggage. And we didn't seem to pay too much respect to him because he obviously doesn't have a 
a defensive game himself. I don't know why we didn't pay too much respect to him, because he seems to do well against us every single time. Yeah, but he also lets us do well. You know? <laughs> there was space for Scully. There was space for Smith. Henderson was roaming. You know, you uh, provided a little bit of foreshadowing there with the Henderson situation, which we'll get to a bit later in the podcast. But for now, I want to talk the Chad. Obviously, we have to talk about the Chad finally stamping his authority in the brown and gold, playing what I thought was maybe his best game for the Hawks. A standout performance, twenty touches at seventy percent. Eight of those were contested. You got those three goals we mentioned, seven score involvements. 538 metres gained, Tiz. Yeah, it's like we've bought a used car and finally mechanics got it working as it should, you know. it's uh, It looks fantastic in the yard and then you bring it bring it home and find out a couple of things were wrong with it, which is why the previous club got rid of it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then you've got to build it back up. But he looks, and he played immaculately, I thought, Wingard. He's donned the colours. He what was that game he won- he beat North Melbourne, wasn't it, off his own boot at the G? It was round three. And we all thought, oh, look at this, fantastic. And then sort of staggered into the middle part of the year and then put in some hard yards late. But that was an Im- a really good performance on the MCG in front of nobody, <laughs> which I wasn't sh- I wasn't sure how his ego would handle that. But uh, he just he lit it up. Didn't he? Now, if I may interject, Tiz, it wasn't in front of nobody. You had Michael Hartley screaming from the stands. Yeah, that would that looked a little off-putting, actually. <laughs> We've all got a mate like that. Actually, I don't, because I'm that mate. <laughs> but um, we played really well, and Mitchell and Amira looked good, and Warple, I don't know what he was doing the week bef- a couple of weeks ago against Melbourne, but there wasn't... You know, he'd obviously overcome that. So I think there was a major uh, muscle-building block the Hawks came out of before that last game in Tassie, and um, we were running on top of the ground. Brisbane sort of stopped. I think your read on that Marsh Series match actually uh, was correct. It seemed to be uh, on point, as they say. Uh, Mitchell and O'Meara, if we just backtrack to those guys, they collected 25 and 23 disposals, respectively. Um, Predictably for mine, with Mitchell back and O'Meara freed up as a result of his inclusion, I I really thought that Liam Shields would slip back into that unsung hero role and didn't he just? He performed really well, I thought. 24 touches at 79% efficiency, six tackles and seven inside 50s. Incredible from Shieldsy. Did he kick a goal as well? Uh, he gave one off. I think he hit up Henrahan. Ah, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, there was some beautiful kicking into the forward line as well. Uh, around a well-marshaled... Uh, Brisbane defence, mm. a couple of excellent passes, but there were, there was one man that seemed to be part of a lot of chains that started in the back half, mm. and they weren't necessarily clean possessions, they were just acts of desperation to impact the contest or get the ball moving in our direction, that was Sam Frost. He was very committed to the contest, wasn't he? He doesn't like losing Sam Frost, and uh, you can understand why, a history of being at GWS when they were poor and then Melbourne. Um, he's just got this aggression at the contest, which he often gets pulled up for, but that'll be reined in as he develops more confidence in the people around him. But yeah, he looks like an asset and he's got a turn of foot too. Who was it that uh, put on the jets and then buggered the kick into the forward 50? Did the old Paddy Dangerfield? That was Frost. It was him. I couldn't quite remember for a second there, but geez. That was one of our better plays for the day. But, um, you know, as he was sort of streaming out of that back half, 
it was something to behold. It was it was really enjoyable. But you you knew in the back of your mind the kick wasn't going to be any good. But you're just like, <laughs> no, I'm here for it. I'm along for the ride. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> it, it reminded me a lot of Trent Crow, <laughs> except that except that his didn't hit the deck. They would be marked by an opponent that was in plenty of space. Anyway, um, <laughs> early on. That's 2008 Premiership hero Trent Crowe, so you mind what you say, hey? Oh, I understand his heroism. Um, doing a foot and trying to knock someone out as he went to the bench. <laughs> that is legendary. <laughs> but I want to spend some time dwelling on Sean Burgoyne. Yes, listeners are probably be a little frustrated we've taken so long to get to him. Oh, that's just because we leave the best to last. As he has, apparently. <laughs> At 37 years old. Doesn't look it. And finally, someone showed up Marcus Adams for the dilly is. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he had a dog act and he got... Turned by Burgoyne. Oh, at oh. so many stages, Marcus Adams looked mediocre. And also, Burgoyne's, Burgoyne's pass to um, Patton for his first goal for the club. That was a good moment. I enjoyed that a lot. All in all, Burgoyne just took the piss the entire day. He finished with 15 <laughs> touches at 90%, three goals, six score involvements, six one percenters. I mean, again, we're going to get to this, but one more year, surely. Please, please, can we have more Sean Burgoyne? Well, as a result of them extending the fixture out to, you know, Christmas, you know, we we could be looking at things like um, the Brownlow on the Monday of Christmas week and then Hawthorne out onto the G for... For Christmas Day or something like that. It could be extraordinarily good. So much up in the air at the moment. Uh, Something that was up in the air leading into this match was the fitness of Jack Gunston, who uh, ended up being named and he got up for the match and I thought he was pretty serviceable, actually. He was deployed as a defender. He spent 84% of the game in the back half, contributed well with 16 touches and six rebound 50s. Yeah, I I honestly didn't expect him to play. Um, Didn't think he'd... Would have the match fitness, but... You were uh, forecasting a late change on Twitter. Yeah, and people voted for Scrimshaw ahead of Nash, disappointingly. <laughs> but <laughs> but he he's an exceptional player. Uh, just the class that oozes out of Jack Gunston's ridiculous. In a, in a position that um, he has no right to be that good at. <laughs> That's all right. It's a fair call, actually. Harry Morrison, I thought he was quite good, actually. Having done so many things wrong, so many things wrong in the preseason, I was quite worried for him. But uh, he started this year off quite, quite serviceably. I thought. What did you think? I thought he had a couple of unlucky moments in which maybe there was a cruel bounce or two, and he, he might have got lost in the contest a couple of times. But apart from that, I can't really be that critical of him. Um, I thought he played his role pretty well, and that's. That's what you need him to do for the time being. Yeah, well, I certainly didn't notice him making a, a lot of errors. Uh, although his, he, you know, when he doesn't have the ball, he lacks positioning sometimes, especially on the boundary line. There are a couple of moments where he was shown up for switching off a little early in the contest. Um, players got round him, but when he when he did have the ball, which is where where um, <clears throat> I think Clarko um, really rates him is he makes good decisions, and uh, he was giving himself time to make decisions this week. So if he can learn to do that, maybe it's the lack of the crowd, and that will help a few players. Not having a crowd will um, will allow players, although I, I think Richardson was forecasting that, you know, to make players kick better. I'm not sure that eventuated over the round. I'll have to check. Interesting, 
interesting uh, thing. If uh, they want more goals scored, no crowd, that's a wonderful dynamic there for the game. <laughs> I don't know what you, you know, what he was trying to put forward with that argument, but anyway. A lot of commentary is conversation for conversation's sake, isn't it? Yeah, I thought they warmed into it a little bit, the commentators not having the crowd to feed off, but uh, it's still an awkward thing to watch, don't you think? Yeah, it is. Um, and the elevator music didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Elevators have gone out of style, haven't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going to give them a hard pass at the moment. And dating apps. All those people that used to work for dating apps. Oh. It's just a lot that isn't in style, in vogue right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, the crowd not being there was interesting. In the games that I saw in the lead up to ours... I just couldn't get into it, really. I just couldn't really take it seriously. Predictably, though, as soon as Hawthorne ran out, as soon as I saw them out there, yeah, I was up and about. I was into it. And the lack of crowd was weird, but I was invested. Boys, did I want us to win this game. Yeah, I thought it was played in a good spirit. I mean, the writing was on the wall uh, before our game that this would probably be one of the last matches. And it probably should have been in hindsight after what happened in the West. But, um, <laughs> as the last game... At the G, Nick, for the year, you know, if you win the last game at the G, you know what that means, right? <laughs> well, that's what I thought Gill's press conference was about. It's like... <laughs> Emergency presser. <laughs> the CEO knows full well at halftime just where this is going. It's time to call it. Hawthorne of the Premiers, shut up the shop and just let it go. Reset for 2021. Well, actually, we also beat the highest placed opponent from 2019 oh even more reason to just give it to us yeah i will be probably writing a white paper to afl house <laughs> indicating that hawthorne should rightly be awarded the premiership is there anyone at afl house it can't be many people left sadly that the thing that's happening to our game uh yep bruce McAvaney. um he's in isolation he <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that part of that article protect bruce because he's the the key component of not only this, but covering the Olympics if they go ahead. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's a commodity as ever, but especially now. Yeah. Well, he hasn't been well of late, so... And we all in, we understand he's an ornament to our game, you know. One of the touchstones of AFL footy. Now, before we move on from the recap, I, I kind of just want to keep on celebrating this win because it's the last time we're going to get to for a while. I really want to talk about Ben McAvoy. Well, exactly. We got a got a question from one of our listeners, PJ, at Hawk Talk Pod. Can you analyse our defensive structure? It seemed to stifle any and all movement the Lions wanted with the exception of turnovers. What were we doing so well and how does this translate to the season? And as far as I'm concerned, is cue Ben McAvoy discussion right now. Well, we just crumbed better we stopped them from uh, marking any of the long balls forward ben mcavoy was integral to that i think you'll notice ben mcavoy uh, competes in the ruck at a center bounce and it goes straight down and gets marked by oh, i forget mcstay i think and uh, he goes back and slots it and then our next goal is uh, courtesy of um, i think mcavoy marks in the forward line later on and that's basically uh, Clarko um, ending that contest. He just moved his his queen piece on the chessboard and put McAvoy forward to uh, to break down the the whole game. Um, I thought he used him well. Uh, I thought Segler played very well in terms of his hitouts. He got a couple to advantage that resulted in goals. It looked like it worked well. It didn't seem to be exploited. By the lines, I know Charlie Cameron's been on fire for the last month. 
but um, he didn't look all that good, did he? No, a couple of cheapies from Cameron. I thought Stratton, like Shields, a bit of an unsung hero. I thought he did very well on Cameron to blanket his influence. Yeah, he did. I think um, he's stuck to his task and he was frustrated a couple of times with some umpiring decisions, but did very well in all. The, the Twin Towers of McAvoy and Segler, I, I think you're right, they weren't exploited. If anything, they worked to our advantage because our defensive structure is a, uh, in my mind, if at first you don't succeed, try again. And by that, I mean... We're, we're trying to stifle quick movement out of the back line. Let's say that we go forward, it hasn't really worked out for us, the ball sails through for a behind, and then it's up to the opposition to try and whisk it down as quickly as possible to their end. Now, we want to slow that down. We want to cut that off, obviously. And what we've got in place to do that is on the wing or the flank, you've got Segler roaming about. So he's the first tall one you've got to get past. And then if you manage to do that, big boys at the back waiting for the next kick and then you've got this closing speed from frost to get to each contest exactly so so it's a it's a fair old uh obstacle that you have to get past of the opposition team so you know we, we have uh we have been cynical about this particular strategy in the past but i think we are seeing its merits i think it did work at the mcg for the most part i've got to highlight that we had more marks inside 50 this time because that's been a real problem against brisbane They've stifled us for marks and they've taken easy marks inside 50. I know you're going to mention Brand, but I wasn't going to do it. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention Brand. You yeah. brought it up. <laughs> anyway, 11 marks inside 50 to 8. And, uh, you know, augurs well, doesn't it? I mean, we're, we were in front most of this game. Yeah, we trailed at quarter time by two points, but that says nothing because Hawthorne, on the whole, was pretty much in control and... Brisbane was just an annoying little mosquito that you you couldn't get rid of for, for most of the game until we did. So that was good. That was really pleasing to see. They had a couple of injuries. Um, but, and, but across most stats, we're very even. So this was a good victory by the boys to make sure that the scoring chains actually resulted in goals. And that's the difference. The outcome, a 28-point win. Now, the friends and family of Lions players, of course, tears are going to keep their distance this week. Um, but that's as much to do with Brisbane being embarrassed by the Mighty Hawks than any virus. So uh, good luck to them up there, up north. Now, on the other side of the break, we're going to look at the coronavirus crisis and how it's rocked the competition. So stay with us as we get to some social media stuff. Don't stand, don't stand so, don't stand so close to me. Don't stand, don't stand. So now that everyone's thinking of making a podcast over this hiatus, Nick, uh, how, how, are we go- how are we looking? We're still doing okay. People are rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. We encourage Hawks fans to do that. Jump on Apple Podcasts. Leave us some kind words. Uh, if, you, if you like the show, let us know. And on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod, we're climbing towards 2,000 followers. So jump on there and help us out towards that milestone. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod, as we continue to build the community there. Facebook's lighting up. You've got some memes going, and uh, especially with the US when they decided no sport was going on there, so they might as well watch these Aussies kick a bit of leather around for two hours. Yeah, I found myself linking some uh, US fans to the uh, the love letter from Dermy to Rioli. <laughs> it's good. A little bit of exposure like that. It's a shame it couldn't continue for a bit longer, but... Some of them got a taste, and we were on Fox Sports 1 over there, about midnight, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was extremely late, yeah. There were some great comments 
from them. They're like, these boys have no fear. They punted every six times a minute. You know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> it's great. I their enthusiasm for the game, sort of, in what has been a strange and anxious time, it renewed my enthusiasm for the game. Just to see how much someone else was really like, oh wow, this is so good. And it kind of makes you wake up and go, you know what? It is so good. Can you imagine if some of those enormous specimens living in America started playing AFL? Oh, It would change the game. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, I noticed that you started dropping the um, the seasoned guide that we put so much effort into. <laughs> Thank you for putting out the prediction that uh, Port would lose to Gold Coast. I look like a prize idiot now. <laughs> Mate, I predicted it too. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one that looks like an idiot. Oh, so Mason's multi that didn't work out. What a shame. Mason's multi did not work out. We had a uh, we had a podcast ready to go that faced some technical difficulties, so it didn't get up off the ground. In which we outlined my my Mason's multi for round one. It did go ahead, and uh, I think I dropped two or three for the round in the end. So not that bad. But it still didn't survive Friday night, Tiz. Anyway, if you would like to read what remains of uh, that uh, seasoned guide, um, it's on Patreon. It is on Patreon. Are we going to do anything else with that? The seasoned guide? Uh, I guess the plan is to make it available somehow, not just through Patreon. Although if you do subscribe on Patreon at the $5 tier, patreon.com slash talktalkpod, you not only get the guide, you get all of our bonus episodes to date. So... I'd, I'd encourage listeners to do that if they love the show and want to support it. Yeah, as for the guide, uh, it'd be a shame to let it all go to waste. I mean, it's still a good read. We've still got a mini draft to come. We'll just do some rewrites. It'll be great. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a bit of a watch this space situation with Patreon, uh, as it is with everything in life at the moment, I, I guess. Yeah, everything feels a little experimental at the moment. I think it's pretty clear we're done with the social media stuff, so we'll get back into it uh, with... Well, what's happening with the state of the game? Plenty to unpack. So 16-minute quarters, a little better? It's a thumbs up from me, Tiz. Um, normally, these sorts of changes are, are things that I'm quite cynical about and that I'm opposed to. Um, and maybe the fact that it was more circumstantial than a contrived strategy to change the game, maybe that's why I was more open to it. Uh, but as it was, I enjoyed it. I'd be in favour of shorter quarters. Yeah, you can't really um, win by attrition. You can't set about stifling your opponent for three quarters and then decide to attack. It was interesting across the rounds, even though some of them realised they wouldn't be playing for a while. It was I felt it was more attacking than, than not, didn't you? I mean, it just seemed to be a much more free-flowing game. I didn't watch every single game of the round. Um, I guess the thing that I liked about our contest was both teams looked kind of dangerous when they had their moment. It was uh, interesting and fast-paced, and both teams had a good look at it when they got on a bit of a roll. So when we come back after May 31, they'll probably keep that change. What are some other changes that they're thinking of, do you know? Not sure, actually. Um, I think as is the situation with the game at the moment, I think it's just pretty fluid. Would there be crowds after that point or not? Again, I think they'll weigh that up. They've got a review coming, the AFL, at the end of April. Um, So at this stage, the season has been temporarily suspended until May 31, but a decision on that about whether they keep that suspension in place will come at the end of April. And I imagine they'll look at a whole raft of things. Yeah. 
Just going on from that, the AFL's plan at this time is still to play those remaining 144 games plus finals in a reduced fixture that they announced earlier. Um, something you mentioned, Tiz, is that they are fully prepared to play out until the end of the 2020 calendar year just to make sure all those matches are completed. So that's something we might end up with. So what you're telling me is our ugly jumpers may actually become essential attire for the MCC. <laughs> In summer? That's going to be interesting. Well, they're Christmas-themed, mate. That's the whole... <laughs> the Christmas-themed ugly Hawthorne jumper. And for some reason, it's always modelled by Frawley. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that. Do you reckon he puts his hand up? <laughs> I don't know. It's quite, it's quite weird. <laughs> it's one of those things you notice as a supporter after a while. Why does this fella keep getting this gig? Are they having a laugh at him? Anyway, remember how they got Timmy O'Brien to do the 007 shots? Oh, I loved that. That was great. <laughs> that was a Photoshop dream. <laughs> What did you think of him, actually? We didn't mention him, um, but he bobbed up for for a good goal. It was a nice little finish. He was okay. I think Brisbane were preoccupied with our, our, uh, our tall guys for the most part. I think they were very concerned about Patton and O'Brien as, as, as a duo and their potency up forward. Yeah. And as a result, that left our other forwards to sort of do the damage. Um, Absolutely. That's how I viewed it. It was a bit of a self-sacrificial game, but he got his reward with a... Beautiful finish. I'm not worried about O'Brien's output that game at all. I'm not concerned. He wasn't much of a factor, but, you know, neither was Patton. And, hey, we got the job done and got it done handily. So <laughs> I'm not that concerned. Yeah, so do we... I heard that the Brisbane players have now been asked to uh, take leave without pay. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. It, it's, it's getting kind of hard to actually keep up with everything that's happening. It's the rate of news, the influx of it is quite something. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head there with Brisbane, but I imagine every team has their own policies at the moment. Yeah, because then we hear that the AFL Players Association have offered for 50% pay. And so I was wondering how those two gel together. I know that Hawthorne have been making some tough decisions in terms of staff, and uh, we've also got the added weight of trying to um, keep enough funds together to get the Kennedy Centre going. All right. You've gone with a bit of a scattershot approach there. You've brought up a lot of threads to tug at. So let's just go through them. Uh, The player situation, they've pledged an immediate 50% pay cut. But interesting to note that the league's initial wish on this was to have it slashed by 79%. Why 79? Why not 80? I've no idea how they arrived at that number. But the negotiations for that one are ongoing. Uh, In terms of Hawthorne and the staff situation, we have heard from Kennett with one of his letters. He kind of offered a bit of foreshadowing in that regard. And uh, I imagine maybe even as we're recording this, there might be a letter due out that unfortunately Jeff might be the bearer of some bad news this evening. I guess we'll see. And the the Kennedy Centre. Now, that's something that we wanted to highlight on the pod that was lost due to technical difficulties. Uh, something that Erin at Hawk Talk Pod, she wanted us to discuss dingly because she can't see it happening. And Tiz, it's looking a bit bleak. Uh, yeah, but it's only postponement, right? It's not a cancellation of the whole project. It seems to be just suspended for now. But, uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows where all this is headed? The, the, the scale of the hit that some of these clubs are taking, including ours, is just enormous. So I, I don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, but we're a financial club. And we're outside the umbrella of a lot of the stuff the AFL 
requires us to do. It's it's up to our leaders and our board to make the decisions. It's not like we're going to be dictated to by the AFL. Do you understand me? We've got yeah. we've got autonomy in this really. I know Kenneth's head of the one of the committees on uh, the coronavirus, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's, he's sort of the spe- he's sp- sort of the spokesman, and that that's allowed Gill to sort of bring him in under the AFL umbrella. But to think that Kenneth isn't just making the best decisions for Hawthorne first and then the league, I think would be um, would be wrong. Kenneth is making sure Hawthorne comes out of this as one of the strongest at the end of this, and he's in exactly the right position for us to get that done. He's representing the rest of them. Yeah, <laughs> I think we are well positioned uh, as a club to to weather this storm. What I'm saying is we're not going to be the meat in the sandwich no, I, like we were in the 90s. No, um, I, I understand that. I get that. With respect to the Kennedy Centre, uh, Kennedy actually wrote uh, in a letter about that saying the decision has been made to put the Kennedy Community Centre project on hold until further notice. This will ensure all resources and energies can be spent navigating through these unprecedented times. Uh, the club has also assured that people who have made donations and pledges to the Hawthorne Foundation in support of this project, those things are going to be ring-fenced and protected uh, until such time as we can return to it and get the project up and running. So it sounds like it's just suspended for the time being. And the other thing to remember with an organisation like the AFL that is exempt from tax and things like that, um, there's an awful lot of fat to trim there anyway. It's not like they're an efficient organisation. Okay, so if you're asked to uh, trim down on an already efficient organisation, that immediately means a lot of pain. But in terms of some of these AFL clubs, uh, there's still a lot of fat there and you just trim that out and then you start getting into the meat of it and you've probably saved a lot of money already. What will happen next year is you'll have far more efficient system going forward. For now, what we're dealing with is a fairly seismic impact uh, across the league as a result of the coronavirus crisis. Um, I just want to go through some of them here because they're quite damning, really. The majority of full-time staff at the AFL, that's approximately 80%, are going to be stood down from their current duties as of next Monday, so that's uh, March 30, until May 31st, where, again, they expect to be back in action, but who really knows? Uh, The salaries of the AFL executive team is going to be reduced by a minimum of 20% indefinitely. See, I don't think that's enough. I dare say, Tiz, they might have to review that one. Surely that's a negotiating position. Right. Yeah, I would expect that they're fluid on that one. Uh, casual staff have been released from their duties. Uh, clubs are in the process of slashing $3 million from their soft cap expenditure by the start of next year. It's believed about 80% of the soft cap is spent on staff salaries, meaning that we can expect mass cuts across the AFL industry, which, as we can see, has already really begun. Uh, even in the case of the AFL umpire, umpiring fraternity, uh, they're expected to be laid off until May 31, and they believe they won't be paid in the interim. So that's going to be fairly fraught as well. Yeah, but they're not full-time umpires yet, are they? Well, you know, nevertheless, it's still livelihood we're talking about, Tiz. Yeah, but they've got something to fall back on, Nick. There's a lot of people out there now with nothing to fall back on, except for the government handouts, and a lot of them are delayed. So, again, I feel no sympathy for the umpire. No. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> wow. that felt good actually anyway got to take what you can in these times now in terms of the whole playing group though now they go away into self-isolation 
which players do you think will come back in the best condition or close to the condition they're in now? Because there's a few players, I don't want to probably put them in the hot seat now, but I don't expect they'll be coming back in all too good shape. And I might underline shapes there. (laughs) But... uh, Yeah, Tommy Mitchell, he's got an absolute craving for those. Is it Arnott shapes? He loves them. <laughs> yeah, the barbecue, the pizza, the, oh, the chicken crimpy tears. They're hard to resist. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So, you know, you've you got this fantastic body and uh, you're asked to sit at home. How are you going to do the amount of exercise to maintain it? It's um, a t- terribly huge challenge. Um, well, they just... Downloading or playing YouTube of uh, Olivia Newton-John's home fitness videos. How are they going to manage this? That might be the first Olivia Newton-John reference we've had on the show. And I tip my hat to you, Tiz. I didn't think there would be one. And uh, you've gone and surprised me with it. Ambushed, even. Yeah, it is a challenge. And uh, basically, whichever list turns back, it comes back in better shape, will probably dominate the first month. Yes, there's a lot of faith extended to the playing group to sort of do the right thing and do what you can to stay in shape when uh, prying eyes aren't watching on. I think for someone like me, it would be a problem. For elite sportsmen, I would hope it's not too much of an issue. I don't see how they can get around it, really. They can go for a run, but their gyms are all shut. They might have a home gym, a few of them. Uh, And then the rest of the time, they love playing that bloody Twitch thing. What is it? You know, going around shooting people and... All that stuff. Fortnite. Yeah, that's it. Fortnite. Well, Sicily is already flagged. That's how he's going to spend some of his time off. Now, didn't um, weren't there rumours of a couple of players got addicted to Fortnite in the off-season? I'd not be shocked. They have to sort of wean them off? Yeah, I would not <laughs> be surprised at that. Not necessarily Hawthorne players, but... No, you know, no, it's a, it's a worldwide craze. People love it. I think it's still going strong. It's only going to get bigger, right? That's why I can't get a good internet connection today. People are all, in quotation marks, working from home. Yeah, I, I thought I had problems uploading this podcast before. <laughs> can't wait for that. Yeah, so this is when our leaders earn their money, isn't it? This is, well, I mean, Jeff Jeffrey's not really earning any money in his position, but this is when his leadership is required, and this is... These moments, these uh, out-of-the-box moments that no one can really plan for, no one saw coming, this is exactly what he will be remembered for. Um, And that's why the pressure's so high, and you saw it on Gil. Um, I think he made a brave decision, to, and and I don't mean that in the yes, Prime Minister sense, brave. I mean that in in that uh, I think it was a good decision to go ahead with round one. Um, It doesn't seem to have endangered anybody at the moment. But um, it could have been much easier to say, no, we're just going to postpone it all and um, everyone's efforts to get to this point in their peak fitness and match conditioning and, you know, it would have been a total anti-climax. At the moment, we had a little mini, a little ray of sunshine on the weekend, didn't we, where we got to enjoy footy for a little while. We got some exposure in the US and, and now we sort of hunker down and, and all console ourselves with the thought that this will only be a temporary measures and, and we'll be back better soon. And I appreciate the ray of sunshine. I think initially I wasn't too sure that it was the right call to sort of just forge ahead. But, uh, you know, when it came to the crunch and when they really had to start making tough calls, I think they did. And it's hats off to Gil, who looks awful. He looks like he's just had the worst time of it. Um, and I think he's handled it quite well. And 
Yeah, I mean, thank goodness we won um, as Hawks fans. We can sort of take that away and some small consolation over what's going to be, or what could be a difficult winter, a difficult fo- footyless winter. I also feel for the uh, for the AFLW who didn't get to complete their season. Yeah, that's awful. And also our VFL affiliates mm. who um, basically they jettisoned them as soon as they found out there was a threat from the community. Um, that's the reason they did it. I know someone asked, why did we get rid of the Box Hill side? Yeah, we've got a couple of questions here from uh, Daniel and Ross. Daniel said, we probably need to chat about the fact that we've dropped our VFL affiliate for 2020. And Ross chimed in, I'm still confused about the unalignment of Box Hill from Hawthorne, the reason, the implications, etc. We're happy to go through it now. Yeah, well, the reason is uh, that if the lists from Box Hill who in the majority aren't professional footballers and they have other jobs and go sequester through the community daily, um, um, coming into contact with the Hawthorne list who are going about trying to limit their exposure to only a few people in their lives and basically living in a a bubble um, or at least attempting to as much as they can, it just was too great a risk to the whole list and and therefore the rest of... um, the club to be training with uh, Box Hill. So with all that in mind, uh, this being quite a nervous time, even though the club's in quite a good position, um, you referred to Kennett basically needing to be a leader, not only to the players and and the entire club, but also to fans. And I just want to read out an excerpt from his uh, latest letter that he released. Uh, I think it was last night, this morning. Look, the days are just bleeding into one another, Tiz. I'm just going to read it out. Jeff Kennett said, The board has instructed the CEO, Justin Reeves, with the board's support to take all necessary action to ensure the club survives this period of uncertainty. We must ensure we can emerge on the other side, ready to resume our place in the competition, whether that is this year or next. As our great coach, value setter and legend, John Kennedy once instructed his players, do something. Today, your club and the people you entrust to lead it will do something to readjust, to survive re-emerge, and then succeed again. Yeah, and I think uh, Clarko's leading too, isn't he, in a sort of um, communicating with the public sense. He's just telling everyone to adopt their own values in, in how they go about this period. If you know, if your family is your highest values, you, it sort of dictates how you should be acting. How bloody good is Clarko, though? Well, he's just... He just cuts through a lot. He's very similar in the in the way that Jeff Kennett does so too. I mean, that's probably why they don't get along so well. They are very similar <laughs> in the way they have little little respect for um, BS. Yeah, I guess they just say it how they see it, and they come across as genuine um, for the most part. And and certainly Clarko, he's got a touch, an earthy touch, doesn't he? He does. I mean, he's saying things like it's going to be rough. For me and the wife, you know, <laughs> having to spend all that time in each other's pockets. And it's going to be true for a lot of people who have to spend more time than perhaps they'd choose to with their family. The, the, the consequences of this are far-reaching and, and some are serious and some are humorous. And it's just, oh, it, it spans all areas of life. And I, I think one thing that was good about Clarko as well is his little broadcast from down the farm. Yeah, that's quite comical. So what's your chief takeaway from that little excerpt that I read out, Tiz? Oh, I mean, what it says to me is he just, he trusts Reeves to get this done. You know, that's, he's just given him the freedom to get past this 
in the best shape we can. Clearly, listeners, us included, we're all looking for answers and we're looking for assurances that the club's going to be okay. And there's so many questions surrounding the future, um, some of which we've had from listeners. They've hit us up. Uh, I've got a trio here of Morgan, Jeremy and JM. Uh, shout out to you guys for submitting some questions all along the same sort of theme. Yeah, they're all sharpening the axe. What are they doing? <laughs> I don't think that's it. There's no malice behind it. <laughs> this, is, gen- this is the last thing I wanted to consider. Just who wasn't ever going to be seen in brown and gold again. But anyway. Well, we kick it off with Morgan's question, which sort of sets the tone. Morgan asks, can you look at the potential list cuts if worse comes to worse and list sizes are reduced? There's been some talk of cutting them down from 44 to about 35. Do you think that's at all likely, Nick? I don't know that um, a lot of lists would be competitive at that level. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's purely speculative at at this point. I've only seen that as rumour, so it's not substantiated. Because you only need a few few injuries and that's... uh... You're looking pretty pretty bare there. The other thing is they've got to provide um, movement for the younger players to get into the system after a year of no games. Um, so all the under all the guys looking to be drafted at the end of this year are going to be denied the cameos that they were otherwise provided, and it's very hard to pick from them. Secondly, Jeremy hit us up. If no more games are played this year, which out-of-contract players are re-signed? And we'll just flow that question into JMs. If we don't get back to playing this year, could it end Burgoyne's career a year early? Will it hamper Scrimshaw's chance of breaking into the side? Does Poppy get moved on? It obviously helps Hardwick and Impey, as they won't miss so much football. Speculation, I know, but what are your thoughts? Burgoyne, Frawley, Glass, Greaves, Golds, Hanrahan, Henderson, Giath, Jones, Moore, Morrison, Puopolo, Reeves and Ross will all not be eating shapes continuously on the couch. <laughs> you think they've got a little bit to uh, be concerned about? They want to keep their spot? They're all on one-year extensions that end this year, or that, you know, were signed last year. And uh, they will have to look after their bodies. If they come back in any kind of shape that is um, disreputable to them, um, it's just not going to work next year. So their best course of action is to come back in the best shape possible. I agreed, absolutely. But I think the thing to point out is that list of names that you read out, it extends far beyond that. There's so many players that their future's sort of up in the air now. I mean, even the likes of the guys we just brought in, Keegan Brooksby. Yeah, well, most um, of those... Most of those guys are on one-year contracts, it's true. I mean, guys like uh, Matt Walker, who have sung the praises of, we're very excited about. Jack Scrimshaw, I think, is only till the end of this year. I- I'm happy to be corrected on that. You know, Emerson Jecker as well. Yeah, they only just got here. He, he did only just get here, but I mean, these are all things that you have to weigh up. I think it's much too early to talk about who's going to fall off this list. I would be surprised if Burgoyne, if that was his last game, I would be shocked, actually. I hope not. I mean, what a game to go out on, but I'd be devastated if it was. Um, do you think it's really too early? I mean, you got, got guys like Isaac Smith is still, you know, end of 2020. There needs to be a decision on Smith. They got to the end of the year to get some more games in. And I don't think anyone's projections are as bad as that. Am I the only one who thinks that this whole thing that's happening right now might be a bit more serious and enduring than the AFL are expecting. Oh no! Look, they just they just have to keep um, the players ready. I mean, everyone wants the season played. Everyone's of that mindset. You've got to have um, 
in the middle of the night, you've got to have the sun coming through in the morning to look forward to. And that's what they're doing. I think if, if they have to go into sort of skeleton structure to conserve costs, um, to keep the financial aspects of the league going, I think that's right. But they also need to provide, um, you know, uh, positivism about the future. And I think that's that's a great task across the whole of the world at the moment is, is how to look past this and plan for what it's going to be like on the other side. And that's what Ratton was talking to his players about at St Kilda. It's just like your first commitment is, is your family and, and your loved ones at this time. And um, that's exactly what Hawthorne is looking to do. And um, although some people are going to experience very, very hard times, the dawn will come. Hopefully not before too long. Uh, did you happen to mention Puopolo in that list that you read out? Yeah, he got a one-year extension last year. Okay. Remember? Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to know that he's going to stay on till twenty tw- till the end of 2021. Did he get kicked in the head? That was sort of the implication from one of the reports. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure. It was a head clash of some sort. Uh, he didn't see out the game, Puopolo, but... It was an interesting phrase. Uh, Charlie Cameron has hurt his foot and Paul Puopolo has a concussion. That's a... <laughs> that, that was the report that came out, yeah. That was the, the tweet. Who was that? Mitch? Mitch Cleary, I think. Yeah, Mitch Cleary. I wonder if he did it deliberately. Well, he's kind enough to update us on what actually happened because I personally missed it. I was on the live tweeting and I didn't quite see what happened to Wop- to Puopolo. So he's kind enough to give us the update, but the way he phrased it was pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tiz, question for you. Um, seeing as we're speaking about contracts and, and that sort of thing, do you know what's happening with Ben McAvoy's contract? Um, he gets one week added for every spoil, I believe, <laughs> in the... <laughs> In the back 50, is that correct? He's going to be playing a while then, isn't he? <laughs> He's set for life. Uh, now, this is an old story that I believe we missed, um, not only on the podcast, but right through to the socials. I did not see this at all. Ben McAvoy quietly committed last year to Hawthorne until the end of the 2021 season. McAvoy's agent Adam Ramanaskis of TLA Australia confirmed that they fast-tracked a trigger in the contract for next year, related to how many games he played in 2020. Yeah, it's hard to follow these triggers, I've got to say. Mm. They just sort of happen, and uh, they're the subject of rumour. But uh, that's good. I'm, I'm pleased to, to know that. Yeah, I missed that completely, and I'm quite pleased to have read that. So, Nick, before the game started, I was sort of asking about the KO and where that was going and the $2.50 a month deal. Is that gone now is you forgetting that <laughs> yeah that's a good question because um because there is a back catalog on there i think i did see something that ko ko was spruiking their streaming service in terms of uh oh look you can still get all the the last two years seasons um and you can watch all those back and the baseball and the basketball and the oh wait hang on. um <laughs> but they've got a you've got a fair old archive of sports there to enjoy um the thing you're referring to is there was this idea that you could get KO for uh, $2.50 at a massively reduced rate. It was for club members. Now, I believe other clubs, they actually followed through on that. We never heard about it from Hawthorne. Oh, is that right? Which was a bit disappointing. Yeah, I, I never got any correspondence from the club about that. Um, so, yeah, we, we got a question from Robert at Hawk Talk Pod about that. Do, do, the, do we have any codes yet from Hawthorne and... Maybe, but not that I've seen. No, I haven't seen a thing. So there you go. I guess maybe watch the, watch this space because they still could offer it, even in these hard times, for members. 
um, they still could offer that reduced rate membership and yeah, you can go for your life and stream all sorts of things. Uh, Robert also asks, do the AFL sell games on Blu-ray yet? Uh, the answer to that is no, I believe, not that I've seen. Well, they don't record in a in a in a format that would be that would uh, benefit from being on Blu-ray, so they're not going to do that. Robert also asks, and this might be a question that we circle back around to, because God knows we've got time to do it now. Uh, at Hawk Talk Pod, what does our best twenty-two look like after seeing a few of our new recruits? Again, I'm happy to field that one as we go forward. Yeah, it's a bit early. Impy and Hardwick might be back before round two. <laughs> Who could have picked that? I like Patrick's sentiment here because it, it means perhaps we could uh, get a loan on future earnings we're going to have out of Tassie as they're not going to get a team in this after this sort of financial implosion in football. Patrick has asked us, since a Tasmanian team will probably not come into the AFL now, will it be good for Hawthorne's relationship with Tassie or will the AFL use Tasmania to help a struggling club? Yeah, it's interesting. The AFL uh, under financial pressure will try and probably uh, weaken the stronger clubs in order to help help those less fortunate. But um, I, I don't know that they'd relocate another team down to Tassie. I know you're thinking of North Melbourne going there. But, um, <laughs> my concern would be, is it still worthwhile going to Tassie? Um, will the Tasmanian government have that money? Yeah, that will be interesting. Yep. But, you know, this is all... For for a little while, and then for a little while after that, we'll have to grow and, and work a bit harder, and eventually the economy will be somewhere back where it was, surely. So I don't think it's off indefinitely, and I think Gil was going to wait ages before they brought a Tassie team anyway, wasn't he? He didn't seem to forecast it being under his uh, reign. What do you make of... Um commentators like you know Damo and Eddie Maguire basically saying that the game will never be the same again it seems a bit that doomsday sort of talk do you buy into it or maybe not well if it goes on the same after something like this I'd be concerned to be quite honest hmm. and it's better the better off than the NRL but um, they need to create some kind of fun for um, for moments like this because there's going to be they call them black swan moments um, do, do you know where that comes from? Uh, not the Natalie Portman. <laughs> no, it come, comes from the fact that everyone thought that swans were white until they got to Australia and saw a black swan. Mm. And it's, it just challenged their whole thinking. And so this will challenge a lot of thinking. Like I said earlier, um, it'll, it'll pick out, um, you know, it'll make clubs become more efficient and the whole game more efficient. And you'll find perhaps even fans actually get a better deal out of this in the long run because mm. uh, they realise how bloody important we are when we're not there. <laughs> so, you know, it'll just correct a lot of the values that have gone too far astray, I feel, and just sort of straighten everyone up for a little while at least. Um, but we'll be back and the game will be back and the, the best players and sportsmen will still be attracted to the great game that is AFL and... You know, I don't think it's something that can be destroyed. I think our love for it's too great in this country. Just like our love for doing this podcast is uh, it's pretty strong, to the point where we have to chart just what we're going to do with ourselves um, and what we're going to do with the show. It's been the question on listeners' lips as well. So this is uh, 
This is a bit of unexpected freedom, is how I have to look at this. Certainly creative freedom. Yeah, there's some creative freedom and we just get some feedback on what we might like to do. I, I know you um, have sort of poo-pooed my idea of uh, evening football poetry um, readings. Um, <laughs> I was yeah, going to sit by a, an air conditioner and, and read read uh, poetry to a camera with the book over my face, but um, you said that's probably not the best way to go probably lose a lot of viewers and listeners mate if this drags on if we're down the bottom of the barrel i might have to resort to it be on standby there's no our barrel's pretty full come on i mean we've got we've got most of our premierships in color um and there's that wonderful number 13 of them yes we have attended some personally so what what did the listeners say they wanted to know or wanted to hear actually what are they how do they want us to spend our downtime? Or I took to Twitter and I was just sort of spitballing some ideas about, you know, what we might want to do. Uh, I think the most popular of them in this poll that I ran um, was a three-peat retrospective. So just going really in-depth and providing an analysis on, well, three of the biggest years of the, of the club's history. I think that'd be enormous fun. We had a uh, the idea for a where are they now type segment. Oh, yeah. That'd be tough. Tough how? Oh, um, tracking down a few of those blokes. I think you'll find that people are pretty easy to locate at the moment, mate. <laughs> They're in their living room. Yep. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Probably listening to this. So what do we do? Just chuck a mic in the post and um, oh, look. team viewer their computer and uh, get to the talk? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's, sky's the limit. We'll see what we can do with that. Uh, the idea of a, a merch madness segment came up, looking at trying to identify some of the weirdest Hawks merchandise out there. We've done that before, and it's been quite fun. Oh, now, this is this is good, because if we're trying to make money for the club in the downturn, um, <laughs> what exactly could people not walk past? Gee, that, that's good. I, I think we should have some entries for that. Yeah, I reckon people have got all sorts of weird stuff. What was the one item of paraphernalia that you always wanted but the club never produced? Oh, that too. I like that. Yeah, that's very good. Of course, famously, for for the longest time, I wanted a um, fishing polo, and I'm glad they brought that out. Oh, that is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. One of the worst fashion items, period, I've seen. Never mind what the clubs put out, just in any sort of arena of fashion. It is horrible. Uh, what else do we have? Best nail biters, nail biting victories. Yeah, I don't want to do that. That's too nerve wracking. I, I can't even watch that Port Adelaide prelim. <laughs> yeah, I, I miscalculated on that in the off season. I said, oh, look, look, everyone, it's on Fox Footy. Who wants to watch it? And no one did. <laughs> Yeah, we were lucky there, I reckon. Uh, we heard from a few listeners uh, who, who sort of were spitballing some ideas for us as well because they're keen for us to keep going, which is great to hear. Uh, Jarvis said, uh, at Hawk Talk Pod, I want a list of the best 30 games we should watch this winter and the best way to access them without leaving the house. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Um, also, uh, two teams, one for each millennium. That could be good. Yeah, right, okay. Because we've had one for the century. I never quite understood why they didn't just rebrand it as a millennium. But anyway. We heard from Robert as well at Hawk Talk Pod. The best finals ranked in order for the club. Oh, that'd be difficult, wouldn't it? So many finals. So many good ones as well. Do you discount... I suppose you'd have to discount grand finals. Because... Yeah, I guess you would. Do you really want to pick between premierships? I mean, what's more important? 61 or 2015? You'd also think that premierships would mostly just pull rank. 
over all of the other finals, clearly, in terms of significance. You get up to 14 and then it's premierships all uh, <laughs> after that. <laughs> and we heard from uh, Liam Martin as well. Uh, with no sport on now, do you reckon you guys could call some old games for us with your own little spin on it to keep us sane? Now, this is an idea we've sort of bandied around for a while now. <sighs> do, you wanna, do you wanna attempt that? I do. It's, it's the logistics that have put me off in the past, but... I think, you know, seeing as we're in the creative spirit of things, we might want to look into that a bit more deeply. Um, Trial and error will get us through that, I reckon. Yeah, the first game that comes to mind for me always is... Um, the 1991 Grand Final. No? <laughs> the 2013 Prelim is the one I'd like to call, or just do like a... But you can't do better than that. No, you've got to pick something we can actually add to. That's like the... <laughs> it's it's like perfect. the high... <laughs> it's like, Nick... If you're going to start diving, you don't go up to the highest board. It's, it's just... <laughs> oh, look, it's a fair it's a fair cop. I might have aimed too high there. Yeah, you want to do, um, oh, you know, like Josh Thurgood's debut game or something like that. You know, start there. Oh, there it is. That's what you can look forward to, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, this is all to say that we do intend to stick around in uh, what is kind of a second off-season. Um, we are going to keep going. Yes. So we won't be on hiatus during the hiatus. We'll still be here to entertain and have a bit of a laugh, and I'm sure there'll be some good news, and we'll have a look back at just how you know, some of the trials of our club, some of the good moments, some of the bad moments that good moments came from. You know, there's a lot in this club, and um, it bears enjoying. And after all, it's... It's more than just a marketing slogan, always, because we are always Hawthorne. And uh, we're going to do what we can to sort of bridge the gap. Um, and, you know, we want to enjoy supporting this club in, in the downtime, and we want to bring you along for the ride. I know a lot of people are keen for us to keep going. Um, and that's awesome. That is so great to hear, because we're keen as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's very nice to hear. And also, I want to find out from the club exactly what is the best method because i have been hearing that people are still buying memberships uh, even though they'll be um, receiving little uh, back from them but um, what is the best way to if you want to help out the club go about it yeah i think that's an important point um, and something that we'll start investigating and you know jeff's pretty active on twitter might hit him up there and see if we can get a, a reply because uh, it is important. It's all hands on deck at the moment. Um, and, you know, obviously in, in trying times, we can't speak for everyone's situation with complete accuracy, but I know some people are doing it tough. And of course, of course, look after you and your own first. But at the end of the day, if you can keep supporting this club, as we are going to, not only through the podcast, but we're members as well, uh, do so. Because, uh, like I said, all hands on deck. It's going to be a tough time. It's important that we stick by our club because, as I said, not just a marketing slogan, it's always. Yeah, and the biggest impact you're really going to have is attending whenever it's back. That'll be the way to bring this game back to its strongest, I think. Can't wait. I cannot wait to be back at the MCG. I'm I'm hungry for it now. I can only imagine the excitement's going to be at fever pitch by the time we get back into it. Anyway... I think we might wrap it up there uh, and we'll get to some social media stuff just to uh, just to tie a bow in things. Apple Podcasts, if you do love the show, if you're enjoying it, you can rate and review us there, say some nice things. That really warms our hearts. Twitter at Hawk Talk Pod. we're climbing towards 2,000 followers. That is just 
a milestone that I'm loving to look at at the moment. That's going to be huge when we reach it. So help us out there. You can find us on Facebook too and build that community, facebook.com slash hooktalkpod. Patreon is the big one. Uh, if you can spare it at all in these times, you can subscribe to our show and support it. Uh, at any level, really, it could be one dollar, two dollars. Uh, from five dollars, you actually get both the guide and all of the bonus episodes we've done so far. So that's Patreon.com/HawkTalkPod, uh, and support the show if you can spare it. We'd really appreciate that. A few other plugs, uh, as we've been doing the last few weeks, Tiz. Uh, we've got the Golden News podcast with Ash, Andrew, and Darren, which is out now. Yeah, I think they pre-recorded a number of apps, so they're good to listen to. And um, I'm not sure if they're going to add to those, but... I don't know if they're adding to them, but you're right in saying they've got a few in the can. So, you know, I, I expect they'll deploy them uh, over the course of the next few weeks. Or, well, you know, I, I don't know of their timeline, but they do have more coming out. And it's a great podcast and a nice little retrospective that they've got going for the club and some of the most pivotal moments in the club's history. So that's going to be great entertainment in the downtime that we have now. Uh, as well as Tony Wilson's book, 1989, The Great Grand Final, which is out now. That's a cracking read. And Tiz, we've really got to organise to get him on the show. That's uh, got to circle back around to that. Yeah, we'll have to work out how we do that. But uh, that'll be good to have him on the on the pod. He had a wonderful book launch. And uh, if you can get a, get your hands on a copy, it's um, a great way to relive it. Although uh, Malcolm Blight apparently won't crack it <laughs> open. <laughs> And what about the book I found on Amazon while I was searching for stuff to read during this time? Yeah, how the hell did you find this? I just typed in uh, Hawthorne and AFL and up came, coming out August 4, Ruffy. Ruffy's autobiography is coming out August 4. Should be a good read. It's written by himself, as a matter of fact. Did you notice that? I did notice that, yeah. I was very intrigued as to who had a hand in it and uh, it's, it's him. He's written it. So, oh, really looking forward to that. I mean, obviously he's got a hell of a tale to tell. So all was right with the world when the siren went, hey Nick? And the and the theme song came on and I think we should head back to that moment. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think you're right. I think we should finish with the song because frankly it could be some time before we have the chance to celebrate a win again. Uh, so I don't know about you Tiz, but I'm going to relish it as uh, we call time on another edition of the Hawk Talk podcast. We are a happy team at Hawthorne. Come what may you find a strong